Welcome to Classroom Quest K-12, where the art of teaching embarks on an epic gaming adventure. I'm your host, Stephanie Seagroves, bringing over a decade of teaching experience to this educational quest. This podcast is a rallying point for educators, combining the thrill of gaming with transformative teaching strategies. Here we use the mastery gamification methodology to overcome student apathy and engage students in their own hero journey. So grab a cup of coffee and get ready because you and I are about to launch our quest. Hey teacher friend, I'm glad you're here and thank you for tuning into Classroom Quest K-12 today. This is part two of our mini-series on quest builders. In this mini-series, I'm going to give you the building blocks required to create your first mastery gamified unit to engage your students and increase academic expectations. Whenever I talk to educators, they all seem to say the same thing, that student engagement is at an all-time low. Combined with all the other challenges that teachers face, this can be extremely discouraging. So it's important to remember why we got into education in the first place. Most teachers believe that, with enough time, effort, and support, any student can learn anything, and we see few exceptions to this belief. We likely wouldn't have gone into teaching if we didn't believe this. But that begs the question, if these really are the keys to student learning, what systems do we have in place to give students enough time and support? What systems do we have that make it worth their time to give their effort? How do we give the students the amount of time, motivation, and support that they need to learn the material? Mastery gamification can help put this system in place. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, be sure to listen to Quest Builders Part 1, and then come back and listen to this episode afterwards, as the two parts are sequential. Last episode, we dove right into creating your story outline for your gaming narrative in your classroom. The characters, how students demonstrate their mastery, and the minimum mastery level for your classroom addressing why we use gamification as such a powerful approach. This week, we'll finish up the foundational aspects on how to get your first basic mastery gamified level up and going in your classroom. One thing that's important in this whole system, highlighting why we use gamification effectively, is to get the student buy-in. We want them to be able to make lots of decisions along the way. The more decisions they can make, the more ownership they are empowered to take in their education. One thing I like to do right at the beginning is to give students the chance to choose or create or customize their avatar or their character for the course. This is a pretty standard practice in a lot of video games and it gives students a chance to put their personal preference in the narrative. In my Spanish class, since my student heroes are Lucha Libre Monster Hunters, I gave them a blank outline of a face and I have them create their own Lucha Libre mask. We take a look at various Lucha Libre masks, and we can talk about how each luchador is identified by his own unique mask. Most students really enjoy this creative freedom, and I have students who put a lot of effort into their Lucha Libre masks. Then students put their Lucha Libre masks in the front clear pocket of their binder so anyone passing by can see it. It's a matter of pride. There are lots of ways that students can customize their avatars. There are online programs where students can create a character and take a screenshot of the character that they created as their avatar. 
This is part of the fun of video games and another reason as to why we use gamification in the classroom. It doesn't even have to be an avatar that students are creating. Maybe the student heroes are secret agents and they're designing their ID badges to be secret agents. In a science class, maybe students customize their lab coats, put their titles right on the pocket. The possibilities are endless. Once you've decided how students will customize their character, it's time to design your badges. In Mastery Gamification, badges are very important as it recognizes the work that students have completed. In video games, players will get badges for the levels they complete. Edit. Go back to the beginning of the badges. Once you've decided how students will customize their character, it's time to design your badges. In Mastery Gamification, badges are very important as it recognizes the work that the student has completed. In video games, players will get badges for the levels they complete. It's a short-term reward that encourages the player to continue on. This is another reason why to use gamification in the classroom. It gives students a short-term reason to continue on. Now, before you get too crazy, keep in mind, teachers have been doing this for a long time. Just in different formats. In elementary school, who felt really, really cool if we got a sticker on our paper when we got it back. When my son does review work during the summer, he likes to use stickers to track each successfully completed lesson. The interesting thing is that the actual sticker costs next to nothing, but it means so much because it's an acknowledgement of his work. See, just like us adults, sometimes kids have a hard time seeing why they need to do a task well. This is another reason why we use gamification in the classroom. A kindergartner isn't thinking about graduating high school with honors yet, but the habits he develops towards excellence now will certainly help with that goal that he'll make one day. A third grader doesn't think about all the math he will need to master to be an architect, but it's still important that he's making a habit of excellence in math now for when he does decide to become an architect one day. That's where stickers or badges come in. The badge is a recognition of the work that the student has put in on a particular level. When the student can see the results of his hard work now, he will continue to work hard. This acknowledgement helps the student to learn why he must work hard and do his best. Eventually, the student will decide to do well to achieve longer-term goals when he develops to the point that he can think ahead far enough. In the meantime, we want to help our students in their work and their effort in the short term. So that's where badges come in. This illustrates why gamification is such a powerful tool in the classroom. Once a student completes a level at the minimum mastery level, they receive a badge to acknowledge passing the level. Now keep in mind that I do not recommend that the allowed minimum mastery level be below 70%. Students need to be reaching for a higher level of understanding than just passing at a D minus. Yet the minimum mastery level also needs to be something that every student can eventually achieve with enough time, effort, and support. That's why I recommend a 75. There are lots of ways to create your badges for your class. I generally use Canva and Google Draw to create the badges. And if you didn't know, if you're an educator, you get a Canva account for free. Then I could just print them off for my students as they pass levels. 
Generally, my badges will be an image of the boss that they have defeated with the word defeated stamped over the image of the boss. You could create anything you want. Just be sure that the badges for each level are somehow unique from each other because as the students move up in the levels, they'll need to easily be able to tell which badge is for which level. Then each student will need a trophy case. A trophy case is just some way for the students to display the badges that they have earned. When I made my trophy case for Spanish 1, I just created a cool background the size of standard printer paper in Canva and then put squares with question marks in the squares on the background of the paper. As the students earn each badge, they tape the badge in the correct box for the level that they have completed. This trophy case is kept in the front clear cover pocket of their binder so that everyone can see how many levels they have completed. These badges and trophy cases become very important to the students and foster a level of healthy competition among the students. In fact, there have been a couple of times that I've been slightly late in giving a student their badge that they earned and they are quick to remind me that they earned it. Once you have your badges and trophy case prepared, it's time to decide your policies around boss battles, which keep in mind is what we call testing. In a perfect world, I could allow students to take all the time they need to complete a single level, even if it took the entire school year if they really needed it. However, in school systems, we have to send report cards on certain dates, so we do have some deadlines we have to enforce. However, it's still important to me that students choose to do the boss battle when they are ready, just like they would as a hero in a video game. This is one reason why we use gamification in the classroom. It allows the students to make decisions about their education. So, since we have deadlines, but I wanted to give students flexibility to choose their testing date or boss battle date, I settled on a two-week window policy. I will generally allow two weeks where students can boss battle at any time in those two weeks with no issues whatsoever. If they had a late basketball practice on Tuesday, they don't have to do the boss battle on Wednesday. They could take an extra night to study and try the test on Thursday. While we're in that two-week window, I only count grades that achieve the minimum mastery level. If a student attempts the boss battle in that two-week window and does not achieve the minimum mastery level, I make note of it in the gradebook, but I mark it as no count. At the end of the two-week testing window, I take off the no count and allow all grades to count towards the GPA. If a student attempted the boss battle and earned a 55%, that grade will not count towards their class grade until the end of the two-week window. If a student does not attempt the boss battle in that two-week window, I will enter their grade as a zero and missing at the end of the two-week window. However, just because a student has a grade in the gradebook that is less than the minimum mastery level, or even a zero, it does not mean that they're stuck with that. In a mastery classroom, students have to achieve the minimum mastery level in order to move on to the new material, so they will often need multiple attempts to achieve that level. If I didn't allow unlimited retakes, students could get stuck at one level without the opportunity to move on and learn new concepts. However, just because a student has a grade in the gradebook that is less than the minimum mastery level, or even a zero, does not mean that they are stuck with that. 
in a mastery classroom, students have to achieve the minimum mastery level in order to move on to the new material, so they will often need multiple attempts to achieve that level. If I didn't allow unlimited retakes, students could get stuck at one level without the opportunity to move on and learn new concepts. However, I feel that it's important to have some rules around the unlimited retakes policy. As far as the gradebook goes, students will get unlimited redos on boss battles until they receive the grade that they want at or above the minimum mastery level. Then I put in the best grade that they earn in the grade, and that goes towards their GPA. But in order to ensure that students are using their unlimited retakes wisely and are actually learning, not just rapid-fire testing, I have some rules inspired by video games around these unlimited retakes. Students naturally understanding video game rules is one more answer to the question of why we use gamification in the classroom. The first rule is that each student automatically receives three lives, or three free retakes, in order to defeat the boss. It's pretty standard in video games, and students understand the system. If a student attempts the boss battle three times and is still unable to meet the minimum mastery level, then it's apparent that the student is not understanding something. Therefore, after three lives, or three attempts at the test, I require students to respawn in order to earn more lives. This is also pretty standard in video games. In video games, respawning usually refers to having to start the level over to try again with another three lives. In my classroom, I require students to do study activities to earn their respawn. I'll often look at the student's tests and see what types of questions the student keeps getting wrong. And if there's a theme, I'll assign a study activity on that particular type of question. Usually I assign students a study activity like making flashcards or practicing verb conjugations on a piece of paper, and then they have to show me before I allow them to respawn and receive three more lives. Often, students who have to respawn will pass the level on their fourth life because we can find what was holding them back from understanding. I love this system because it is a built-in intervention point for the student and the teacher. It forces me to realize who is struggling and take some one-on-one -on -one class time to help the student figure out what their hang-up is. Students can't get lost in the crowd because the ones that need to respawn have to come to me for the respawning activity. And I take that opportunity to help them learn what they're missing. We're getting close to completing your first Mastery Gamified unit for your classroom and answering the question of why we use gamification. The building blocks are starting to fall into place. What we need to do now is to decide how you want to deliver your gaming narrative, images, and lessons to the students. There's some really great online platforms out there for teachers to easily use. If you're looking for one, I recommend ClassCraft. They're not sponsoring. I don't know. I just like it. But it does cost a little bit of money. If you're looking for a free delivery system, I recommend just normal Google Slides or PowerPoint. You could put your stories on there. You could put your images on there. They can even do some uh, animation. It's pretty great. Then I post anything the students need to need to know in my Google Classroom page or my Moodle page. Once you've figured out your delivery method for students, it's time to take your story outline and break it down into daily segments for your lessons. 
When I write the stories for my gaming narrative, I like to put them in a script format because my students enjoy taking turns playing the different characters in our gaming narrative. So the students volunteer to read the lines for each character. The fun that students have with this story format is one of the reasons why I use gamification in my classroom. You can go into as much detail or be as vague as you want with these stories. For each gaming narrative level, I follow a rough outline to keep the story moving. At the beginning of the level, I'll establish the setting. For my Spanish class, it's usually a different Spanish-speaking country at each level. I'll also introduce the boss that students will need to defeat early on so that they have a goal that they're working towards. As we progress through the story, the student heroes will learn and practice the skills. Cheat code. The skills are your standards that they will need to defeat the boss at the end of the level. Once they're near the end, we'll have a chance to practice the skills required, like a mock battle or a practice ring. And then the students will fight the boss when they're ready. Along the way, it's always fun to throw in if we have a near miss with a boss before we're ready to battle, or if the boss causes some kind of mischief in a way that affects the characters. You can make it as simple or as complex as you want. It's just another great reason to use gamification in the classroom. Another really important part of the gaming narrative is to be sure to use images. My students tend to be very visual, and my gaming narratives really leveled up when I started using good relevant images for my narratives. There's a lot of ways to get good images for your stories, but make sure not to steal anyone's copyrighted art. I know we're teachers, it's still not cool. The way I found to get the best images for my specific needs is with AI generated images. Now, okay, I know, I know. There's a lot of controversy over the use of AI right now, but hear me out. When I use AI to generate images for my students, I don't consider myself an artist. If I had an image budget, I would hire a real artist to create the images that I need for my classroom. I think artists get underpaid and they deserve to get paid fairly. However, I have never had a budget for images, and I don't think that the public school system will start paying for them either. My old method of getting images without an image budget was a Google search, which would result in subpar images that kind of, sort of, maybe worked? They really didn't fit what I needed. They were certainly not specific to my stories. It took so long to find these subpar images that it really had me questioning if it was worth it. So while I would never want to replace an actual artist with AI, for my classroom needs, AI-generated images fit my needs the best. And I'm not taking money away from a real artist because I never had an image budget to begin with. Now. Some educators also believe that AI is the end of all intelligent human thought and should not be used under any circumstances. While I understand the fear of students using AI to do their thinking for them, I mean, I really get it guys. I'm a language teacher and I've dealt with AI via Google Translate for years. It's been a thorn in my side. I think that this is a different issue. Teachers using AI versus students using AI is very different. 
I do not allow my students to use any type of AI to do their language translations. And I ensure this doesn't happen by assigning translations in class with all devices put away. But, I mean, if you're going to use it as the teacher, and it's going to save you time, and it gets you better quality, and it engages your students better, to me that's worth it. But I'll leave that decision up to you. All right, and now it's time to see what's been going on in a Mastery Gamified classroom. Since I had Mastery Gamified my Spanish 1 class first, and I'm now Mastery Gamifying my Spanish 2 class, I'm reminded of how important it is to run the material by the students. Whenever I have the new story or activity in front of the students, any minor errors I missed when I was creating it by myself become very evident when they're in front of my students. Yet I'm also thankful that my students are forgiving and that they know I'm open to their respectful feedback on how to improve the class and the system. For example, this last week, the students were reading their story segment for the day, and I realized that I had completely forgotten to put in the part that connected the story to the activity. So the activity just seemed completely random. Sometimes my brain assumes there is a connection that never actually materialized. Or maybe students can just read my mind and make the connection. Cheat code, that doesn't work either. It really helps when students feel like they are heard and the teacher is open to changing what they do based on feedback from the students. And this is great news because it means you don't have to be perfect the first time. Just be upfront, be honest, and if it's really bad, ask the students to tell you. All right, now teachers, it's time to heed the call of the quest. Get ready and gear up. Your master teacher quest is here, only for those bold enough and brave enough to try. Your master teacher quest for this week is to look at your ideas from last week, when we did the first part of this, making your first Master Gamified unit, and decide how students will customize some part of their experience, whether it's their avatar or an ID badge or whatever works best for your story. Next, decide your policy on boss battles. How many lives will students get? How will they earn more? Will you have a testing window? Is there any point that you'll put a zero in, even if it's temporary? And then get an idea of what your badges and trophy case will look like and how to make it appealing to your students and how to make it fit with your story. Then you'll also need to decide on your delivery system and visuals. Jot down your ideas in a Word document and then take a deep breath. All right. Remember, this is not an overnight process and I threw a lot of information at you. Just focus on the first unit and the subsequent units will be much easier. Once you've done these steps, you are well on your way to creating your first Mastery Gamified unit. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, I'd be happy to help you out like I've helped other teachers. Just drop me a line at my email, stephanie at seagrowstrategies.com, or find me on my Facebook at Seagrow Strategies. And there you have it. Now that you know the importance of gamified stories, and how stories impact student motivation in the classroom, 
I hope you can use this information to start thinking in the context of mastery gamification and how to use it to provide the time, motivation, and support your students need to succeed. Until next time, remember, empowered teachers empower students, and empowered students learn. I'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Classroom Quest K-12. If you're curious to learn more about the Mastery Gamification methodology, or want to join the conversation, head over to my Facebook or Instagram. And if you know a teacher friend that would be interested in what you heard today, make sure to share this episode with them. Also, for those eager to see if this approach fits your teaching style, don't forget to sign up and get your free quiz at seagrowstrategies.com. Until next time, keep inspiring, keep teaching, and keep making a difference.